Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to my independence report. And uh, today, we talk, you know, in the opening, I talk about getting rid of hate, division, and fear, and and living your life more authentically. I can't think of a better person to have on the show today rather than David Essel, who is, he's a star. He's been around for a long time, and he's, he's, he is the, uh, um, the grandfather or the father or the, or something of the power of positive thinking. And he's, he's written, uh, books. He's got a number one bestseller. He knows Jenny McCarthy and, uh, and she, <laughs> She is hot, 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 but she <laughs> she's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, she is. David Essel, how are you, young man? Kevin, awesome to be with you, and I love your opening. Get Thank rid you. of the division. Bring us together. I love it, brother. Thank you so much. That's my mission in life. <laughs> and, you know, and, and to know right now that it's probably needed more than anything else in the world, Kevin, honestly, I mean, this is it. When TJ, my publicist, told me that we'd be doing this work and told me about the Independence Report, I mean, it is perfect right now for the, the times we're living in. Yeah, I, I, I thought the idea up when there was somebody else in the White House who uh, had had a Twitter account, and I just thought, you know, we can't be full of hate, division, and fear, and you can't we can't run the world that way because we're never going to get anywhere if we do that. Yeah, uh, it's true. You know, and whether we're talking about being unable to look the homeless in the eyes or holding resentments against our parents for something that happened 30 years ago or a former lover that cheated on us 25 years ago, you know, we carry so much resentment in this world forward. And one of the things that in the world of counseling that I do is help people to release resentments. And, you know, when we release those resentments, whether it's a, a political figure, a next door neighbor, uh, a, a former partner, we become free. We become absolutely free. And, you know, to me, that's one of the whole keys of life is that we should all be shooting for a pathway to freedom, you know, freedom emotionally, financially, physically, uh, psychologically. It's not an easy pathway to follow for all of us, especially right now with the media jamming down our throats, you know, all of this negativity and division and conspiracy theories and God knows what else. We, we need shows like this. We need people to be reading up on books on personal growth now more than ever. Uh, last June 1st, I completely disconnected all news, uh, barely on social media from last June 1st. And the reason we did it was because we wanted to lead, just like you're leading, Kevin. We wanted to be a leader saying it's not necessary to watch the news. And it really isn't. I mean, I will not miss a thing on the news. I'll hear it somewhere if it's important. If a hurricane's coming, trust me, my neighbors will tell me. I don't have to worry about it living in the state of Florida, you know. <laughs> So we encourage people and and right along your theory of independence, be independent from mass consciousness. Mass consciousness says I need to know everything about the conspiracy theories going around the world. I need to know all the conspiracy theories about the, the vaccine and COVID, blah, blah, blah. We're saying be independent. Yes. Don't follow the masses. Quit being a, a you know, a, a, a duck, you know, be an eagle, fly free, do your own thing, but don't get stuck in mass consciousness. I have to admit that at one time I was a news junkie. 
I would sit there and watch MSNBC and CNN, and occasionally when I really wanted to get depressed, I'd watch Fox News. Uh, but uh, but I, I've gotten to the point where I've discovered that all of that is irrelevant. None of it matters. I love it. You know, this is a uh, God. We're it's almost like we've talked ahead of time, Kevin. It's kind of <laughs> funny that you're saying that. Um, I just wrote an article saying, here's a different perspective on the pandemic. And this is my true, honest feeling and perspective. If we look at the pandemic as if it's never going away and we go back and start living life because, you know, in 2020, everyone said, oh, my God, when 2021 hits, there'll be no pandemic. Everything's good. Oh, are you kidding me? You know, I just looked to book a flight to Hawaii. There's three islands I can't get to the three I want to get to if I'm not vaccinated. I'm, I'm not going to talk about the vaccine. I have my opinions. Other people have their opinions. And you can pretty much guess what mine is because I can't go to Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> but, but I do really tell people, you know, like, let's live as if it's never going away. Now, that doesn't mean be reckless. Uh, if you go into a store and they make you wear a mask, wear the damn mask. Quit, you know, putting up a fight. But go after your goals. You know, do things that are exciting. I, I, one of my clients just decided to, to rent an RV and to go on a 45-day a cross-country, well, as far as they can get cross-country in 41, 45 days, you know? Like, they've been stuck in their house. They, they're not excited about life. They were starting to drink more than they should. They were arguing more than they should. And now they're going out and live. And so if we just say, quit putting your hopes that the pandemic is going to end and start living today, being socially responsible, of course, we can start to shift the attitude. But instead, we have so many people that are still hellbent on the news, wanting to argue, wanting to be right, you know, all those kind of things. And so we just say, drop it. The pandemic is here for the rest of your life. Learn how to adapt and live with it. Now, with that attitude, that also says when it ends, we'll be fine. But Kevin, here's the analogy I give. I work with a lot of veterans of war. They come back from Afghanistan. They've been back for four years, but their brain reacts as if they're still in Afghanistan a car door slams and they jump. Okay. So they've been out for five years. They haven't taken care of themselves either because of the fact they didn't ask for help or the government doesn't have enough help or whatever the reasons are. I can't tell you, but they come to me at five years suffering greatly, anxiety, depression, insomnia, etc. It's because they were not given the tools before war the emotional, psychological tools of how to deal with war. Now, if they were, that doesn't mean that they'd all come back ha happy and healthy. There still would be cases of extreme depression, anxiety, et cetera, because they're seeing things that the normal public would never be able to handle seeing. But let me make an analogy with the pandemic. If we start living now and we start paying attention to what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, what we discuss, what we eat, what we drink, and we really start paying attention when the pandemic is over, we're going to be in a great situation to go on and living in life with a great attitude. But if we stay in the mindset we're up right now, as a matter of fact, alcohol sales online is up 1000% from a year ago, which tells us that addictions are going through the roof. Yeah. If we don't stop now and start to really put effort into self-care, I'll repeat it, what we drink, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, who we hang out with, if we start making changes now, if the pandemic ever does go away in another year or two or five or 10 years, we will be in great mental health. But if we wait until the pandemic is over to start making these changes, Kevin, it's going to be too late. Yeah. We're going to be just like the veterans of war that five years after the pandemic ends, 
they're still going to be alcoholics. They're still going to be struggling with their relationships. They're still going to have low self-confidence and self-esteem. So our mission, and especially your show, is perfect for our mission. Start living now. Don't wait until something changes to be your best self, to be your most dynamic self, to be the real who you are. Now is the time to start living, being socially responsible, but let's get out of the rut. Let's stop the arguing. Let's stop the I'm right, you're wrong, all the insanity that we waste all this energy with and go back to being more at peace, more forgiving, more compassionate, more patient, less irritable, less judgmental. And I know I'm saying a whole hell of a lot right now, but I believe <laughs> it's where we need to go. Well, you know, and it's it's, um, it's really cool that you bring that up because uh, my good friend, uh, Kayla May, uh, she is experiencing that because her significant other was in, I believe, Iraq mm -hmm. and and suffered and was hit by a couple of IEDs and he was a medic. And and so he's one of the ones that has come back with some challenges. Yeah. You know, so hey, LeMay, you know, I, I mean, I my heart goes out to you. OK, my heart absolutely goes out to you and to your partner. It is so debilitating to come back from war and I'm not going to point fingers of blame, but it's really hard for many veterans to find the type of mental health care they need on top of physical health care. But the emotional mental health that those people go through is so extremist. It is so incredibly extreme that most come back feeling very lost, not connected, not grounded. And I don't know about your partner, but I've worked with a lot of veterans that come back feeling that they've been let down, that they're not cared for at the level that they need. And that is a double trauma. You come back from seeing hell on earth, you're dealing with your own demons, and then you have a government, in my opinion, I know this is going to sound kind of rough, but that is not prepared to give the assistance psychologically and mentally that our veterans need. You know, it, it's so, so sad. And but I also believe that there is a ton of hope. And we have seen returning veterans that were absolutely out of their mind, a mess that have turned it around. You know, I can think of one right now that I used to work with. And, oh, my God, I love this man so much. You know, he came back and his wife had no idea how to handle, how to deal with the flashbacks and all of the other insecurities that come. And it took a couple years, but he is rocking, Kayla May. And so I am going to pray that you and your partner can find the same pathway. Thank you. I really appreciate that because it, it is, you know, be, being that we just had Memorial Day and yeah. there is, it's a huge issue. Uh, we were talking about, uh, and I'm sure you're well aware of this statistic, that 6,000 serv former service members commit suicide every year. That's 16 a day. That's yeah. that in this country, we cannot allow that to happen. We've got to fix that. And we can. Oh, we can. And, and you know, we, we have the resources in regards to mental health professionals. Um, I, I mean, I get them off. I, I want to say off the streets, you know, I'm not part of a veterans organization for mental health, but veterans find me and they find me online and they find me in all these different places. And so there's plenty of counselors and therapists in this country to help the veterans. One of the issues, of course, is finances. You know, like I believe that the government could do so much better 
by reopening the, the financial pocketbook for our, our veterans and allowing them to work with people outside of the network, outside of the veterans hospital services. I, I think we can really do some great stuff, but we've got to have a broadening of the way that we approach mental health care. And I just don't see it happening as quickly as we need it. I honestly don't. Let's change subjects just a little bit because I am so intrigued by you. Where the hell did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and- my, my, my fiance asks me that every day. Um, sometimes she asks me it in a positive way. <laughs> no, yeah, but you know, I get that question a lot, Kevin. Um, you know, I think most of my gifts are gifts that were given to me at birth that you just don't understand how they're, how they're given, but they are. And I, I think, and, and I'm talking about gifts from God or my higher power or whatever the word is. I I've been very blessed. Um, I've gone through hell you know, I was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic for 30 years doing the work I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of challenges in my life. 12 weeks ago, my, the greatest hero in my life uh, left this world, my mom. Um, she taught me everything. When people say, you know, how are you so different and how are you so, some people think it's I'm weird, uh, which is totally cool. Some people think I'm off my rockers because I have very different opinions about almost everything I teach in life. But I'll tell you, you know, a lot of the gifts were given to me that I've worked very hard on to improve. But then I had the most incredible role models in my mom and dad. Now, I will tell you this, especially my mom. Um, you know, I, I, I could easily start crying right now because it has not been that long. She still influences me to this day. I mean, I could tell you guys stories of how I became who I am, and it's always going to go back. <sighs> to my mom. Um, you know, I still put my clothes out the night before work the next day. Uh, you know, she, I, I still make my lunches the night before. I still teach, I'll pack my gym bag the night before. I still slow down and get out of the car and pick up turtles in the road and bring them to the side of the road. I do everything my mom has taught me ever since I was. First of all, I want to I want to thank you for for your honesty and appreciation, the appreciation of somebody that loved you dearly and was was a major part of who you are and who you become. And I know that she's extraordinarily proud of the man that you are. Thank you, Kevin. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, I, going back to my my partner, Mia, you know, she has just lifted me through these last, you know, this tough period of time she's been there. And, and, and without her, I think it would be a lot harder. I have a loving brother and a loving sister. My father is uh, 94. He's very ill. Um, but, you know, I've got my dad. My dad is still strong. I don't know how the hell, you know, they were married 71 years. They were together 76 years. Oh, man. I, I have no idea how my dad is even alive after losing the most, you know, important person in his life for 76 freaking years, you know. But, but, but Kevin, um, you know, and, and I say this, and, and I always have to make this comment. It does not mean my childhood was easy. I was the most difficult child. I became an addict at 12. Um, I was a very, very hard child, a very angry child uh, that my parents never gave up on. Now, do you think that, and th- this is my personal belief, is that you went through all of that stuff and you needed to go through all of that stuff to become the man you are today? 
and to be able to help people the way that you're able to help them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I could not disagree. I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, we we look at challenges in life always when we're in them from the negative. You know, like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, I have ADD. Why do I have ADD? You know, I've guess what? I turned ADD into one of my greatest gifts. It is a great gift to me because every hour is a totally different topic. So I found a career that fits perfectly with my ADD. I go from you. My next session is with an attorney. The a session before I just talked with you, a guy was just this beautiful couple um, from the South that I just love working with, helping them bring their marriage back together. So every hour is something different. So when we look at challenges and, you know, I look at my addictions, my God, you know, since I got sober, it has been a joy, an absolute joy to show people that you can be on your knees for 30 years and you can pull your butt up and redirect yourself and remake yourself into something phenomenal. I, you know, we look at some of the, the, the Nobel Peace Prize winners that win at 60, 70, 80 years of age, for God's sake. And then we have so many of us that are in victimhood. You know, like if, you know, I, I'd be in a better place if my former husband didn't cheat on me, if my mother didn't hit me, if my whatever. It's like, come on, you know, and listen, I give everyone the ability to vent, right? I give everyone. But if you stay in that space of victimhood, you will never grow. You will never reach your potential. You will never understand the love inside of you that's being stuffed down. You will never be able to receive love as a victim. You're not going to be able to give it, you know, so we take these experiences that we go through. And if with the help of others, I didn't get sober by myself, Kevin and Kayla May, I, I, I'm not that strong. I needed to get humble. I needed to get on my knees. I went to a freaking treatment center for 30 days as a gosh darn counselor, for God's sake. You know, and and when I was in there, those guys, the other counselors just continued to remind me, you know, one, one of the greatest things that happened in the treatment center that was so humbling and it really turned me around was that I was refusing to go to a certain meeting. You know, we had like in the treatment center, you had to go to art class. <laughs> you know, I, go, I go, I'm not freaking going to art class. They go, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. They go, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I'm above art class for God's sake. So I try to go back to my room to meditate or do something. And there's five counselors standing in front of my door. <laughs> and they go, they go, where do you think you're going? I said, to my room. They said, no, you're not. I go, where do you think I'm going? To art class? I said, no, I'm not. And we got into this huge argument, five guys and me, right? And finally, one of the guys said, shut up. He just screamed, shut up. And he looked at me and he goes, Essel, your best thinking got you into a damn treatment center. Quit thinking. You don't know anything. Follow us. We're all sober for years. You don't know a thing. Your best thinking got you here. Quit thinking. And Kevin and Kayla May, I have no idea how it worked. That one statement woke me up. And the next 29 days in that place was absolute heaven on earth. And I came out of there so radically humble, so radically changed. Now, I have to continue to work on my humility because I love to be uh, know-it-all. <laughs> I love to have the answers, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's when you're a media personality like yourself, you know, like people look at us to have the answers and we believe we do. And a lot of times we do, but sometimes we don't. And so the times we don't, we've got to just say, holy crap, man, I was wrong and, and learn and grow. But through those challenges, you know, whatever it is, maybe you were, you, were, you were raised without a father, without a mother. Maybe you were raised in a foster home. You know, maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you were abused by, a, you know, a lover. I, I don't care what happened. 
that is the past. If you want to carry the past to today, you can and live a crap life. Or you can stand up, look in the mirror and say, there are people that have achieved greatness by the help of others, by being humble, by being vulnerable, by asking for assistance. And that's the message here today. If you're in a space and time that isn't working for you, if you're depressed, filled with anxiety, addiction, insomnia, whatever the challenges are, reach out to someone else. If you haven't gotten through it by now, you're probably not going to get through it on your own. So have the wisdom. Don't do what I did. Don't wait for 30 years. You know, like you, I knew I, was, I, I knew at 12, I had a problem for God's sake, but I waited and waited and waited. And then finally the awakening came. And all I can say is I'm, I don't feel bad anymore about waiting. I'm grateful as heck. I finally got smart enough to ask for help. And in asking for help, it radically changed my entire existence, guys. Now, when we talk about, and I call them stories, stories that people have told us from day one, stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and stuff, how do you work? Because you, at, at some level, you're going to have to change the stories. How do yeah. you work with people to change the stories into something positive rather than I'm stupid, I'm okay. fat? I'm ugly. I can't do it. I, and all of that stuff. That's a great question. You know, and I think the very first thing, it's funny you mentioned the word story because with a lot of our clients, we have them write out their addiction story. We have them write out their abandonment story. We have them write out the story that they're carrying with them right now about why life isn't as great as it should be. And so we start with that. When did it start? Who influenced you? Who was your role model that got you into it? I mean, my role models that got me into addiction were 16-year-old boys on the beach when I was 12, and I wanted to be part of their clique. And the only way that they would let me in is if I drank 16-ounce warm Budweiser's. Okay, so that's how I started. They tasted like crap, but I wanted to be part of the crowd. So, you know, my story began, well, it actually even began at eight when I found, I had I mentioned earlier, immense anger as a child. And I found that my mom used to can strawberry jam and, and raspberry jam. And if I ate a half a, a bottle of her jam, I calmed down. And that's where my addiction began with sugar when I was eight years of age. And then I found alcohol was even more effective than sugar. And then I found other drugs were even more effective than alcohol. So that's my story. When I go back to it, I can start to see that I had anger untaken care of, unresolved anger and resentment at eight years of age. And then I can see at 12 how my codependency, my desire to fit in and be like everyone else, introduced me to the world of addiction through drugs and alcohol. So that story tells me a lot about myself. And it also tells me where my weaknesses are. And guys, when we fast forward, you know, 1997, I went through this one year training in codependency with another therapist. And after four weeks, she looked at me and I and she asked me if we would trade an hour a week together because she had trouble with her marriage and I was struggling in my relationship. And so I said, oh, my God, sure, I'm a relationship expert. And so we go in at the end of 30 days. She said, um, David, this is great working with you, but I, I've just got to I've got to be honest with you. You are by far the most codependent man in intimate relationships I have ever met in my life. <laughs> and then, you know, going back to asking for help, I, of course, I pushed back and argued and said, oh, you're crazy. You know, I, I, I'm so independent. I'm so this. And then she started showing me 
you know, that I normally picked women that needed to be saved, that needed help. They either needed financial help, how to parent help, how to, you know, get over their parents' abuse help or something. So I was, and so she said to me, she looked at me and she said, I want to take you through a 52-week course to shatter your codependency. And here I am, well-established, 17 years in my career in 1996, 97, 17 years, you know, massive radio shows traveling the world. And someone's telling me that I have a serious issue that I need help with. And all she needed was one more session to convince me that she was right and I was wrong. And I took a year and went through this training. And at the end of it, I found out, and we talk about stories again, that I believed that I was only worthy of being with people that needed help instead of being with people that had done the work and were already healed and ready for love. Because if you still are looking for someone to save you, you're not ready for love. You know, if you're looking for someone to rescue you from an ex-husband because he's an idiot, you're not ready for love. If you're looking for someone to save you financially, you're not ready for love. And so I found that I wasn't ready for love because I was the white knight. I was the rescuer. And as I went back and looked at every relationship, Kevin, going back to your comment about a story, every freaking one was the same, different face, different body, different whatever, but it was the same pattern. So when we look at our stories and, you know, people say, oh, I just have a bad picker in love or all men are dogs or all women are whatever. Those are stories. They're not true. You know what, what those stories do is they protect us from potentially being hurt. They're lies we tell ourselves so we can't get hurt. Men are all dogs. Well, great. When you have that attitude, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to attract dogs because that's your belief system. Yeah. Or you're going to be single for the rest of your life. Or you're, I, mean, I guess there's a third option. You'll do what a lot of people do. They'll therapy hop, counselor hop. If they don't get the right answer from this counselor, they'll find, look for another one to back their belief system. Same thing with the world of love. If you're not ready for love, you'll hop from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And not because you're picking the wrong people necessarily, but it's because you're not ready. So if your story in love is one of disruption and bed hopping and all this kind of stuff, we have an answer for you. And for those people who may be listening that are struggling in love, the answer is going to probably make you feel like you want to jump through the screen and wring my neck. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the answer. Quit dating. Absolutely. <laughs> Quit dating until you're happy. Quit dating until you cleaned up your story. Quit dating until you quit being a victim that all men are dogs. Quit dating. Quit dating. Quit dating. Go get professional help. Clean up your story. Then come on back. And you'll be amazed at how much love is in this world. There's love all over the place. There's available people that are looking to love you and for you to love them all over the place. But they cannot break through your story. They cannot change your mindset. That is your gig. And if you choose to walk the path of personal growth, you'll find that you have stories, limitations, beliefs that are destroying your opportunity for love and health and wealth and everything else you want. I'm so glad you brought this up because the storyline needs to be shattered in order for you to have a new existence. I'm convinced that number one, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Am I am I correct in that? A hundred percent. You know, but but people, you know, one of the tricky things about love is that people think love is in our mind. 
like so they'll stand in front of the mirror and do those ridiculous affirmations like Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> if you guys remember him, you know, I love myself so much. You know, people get into this affirmation nonsense about love, but there's only one way to know if you love yourself. There's only one way. And that is how you treat yourself. How you treat yourself shows if you love yourself or not. If you hang around with conspiracy arguing people, you don't love yourself. If you, you know, you, if you were like me, uh, you know, I'm a former, you know, I don't even call myself a former alcoholic or addict. I'm just David Essel today that had an interesting past. <laughs> I don't, I don't well use said. labels. Well said. Thank you. I don't use labels on myself, you know, but, but what we really need to say, love is done via action. And we look at the actions we take with ourselves. What do we watch? That tells us if we love ourselves or not. What do we listen to? What do we read? That's all self-love. You know, if you're stuck in the whole mass consciousness and you're stuck on network news, that is not self-love. There's nothing new coming out in the news. Okay, gang, there's nothing new. I promise you over the past two, a year and a half or so, there has not been any huge breakthroughs. I mean, has there been a decrease in the, in the pandemic in certain areas? Sure. There's been a massive increase in other areas. So, you know, you could say with the vaccine, is it the right thing to do? I don't know. Make up your own mind. But don't get stuck into this vortex of arguing your point. Just make your decision. No, I'll give you an example today. I have a client in New York City. She is uh, was the head of the pandemic relief for all school systems in New York City. I mean, oh, wow. what a massive freaking job. She's huge. She, she is just an incredibly intelligent, wise, humble, loving woman. I just did a session with her today and we were talking about her being an independent person in a codependent world. She has different views than a lot of people in her workforce about the vaccine, about the pandemic. She has totally different views and she's loving herself by staying strong with her independent views. See, that's self-love. When you buckle to society, you are codependent. When you buckle to your next door neighbor who's talking about the pandemic conspiracy theory and you go, yeah, and you're agreeing and you're smiling only so you don't ruffle feathers, you have no identity anymore. Now you're just a pauper in this game called life. I love the Rosa Parks, the Gandhis, the Nelson Mandela's. I love the people that stand up for justice and stand up against huge. I mean, my God, Gandhi was standing up by himself against the British Empire, for God's sake. Yep. He didn't buckle. He, you know, his identity was so clear. And if people don't know his story, he was a very wealthy attorney from India working in England for an English company that had properties and slaves in Africa. And when he went and saw what he was made, how he was making money, he went back to India and saw the same thing that he didn't recognize in India, slave, slavery to the British Empire. He dropped his silk suits. He throws on his simple white clothing and becomes a force of nature by himself, without arms, without guns, without arguing. It's immense what you do when you have a powerful identity. In this world today, most of us are followers, Kevin. Most of us, probably 90% of the United States are followers. We're not following our intuition. We're following our neighbors. We're following television. We're following something, but we're not following us. And my message, especially an independent show, for God's sake, you know, my message is to get independent. You don't have to say that I disagree with you and I disagree with you. You can be mute. 
You can be silent and be a powerful force in this world by your actions, not your words. I couldn't agree. I, I tell you what, it, I'm going to I'm going to copy that down and I'm going to play it every day because what you just said is a huge piece of living your life more authentically and following your passion and and really really make it, you know, one of my mantras is don't leave anything on the table. Don't uh, um, have any regrets on the last day of your life. Live your life like it is your last day. That's right. And, and what we're talking about is self-love. Yeah. When, when you have your own identity, you're loving yourself and you're not attached to if other people love you or not. You're not attached if other people agree with you or not. You love yourself so deeply that someone else can have a different opinion and you can allow them. You can allow them to have a different opinion. You don't have to try to convince them that you're right. Now, I always am right, so I don't have to. <laughs> totally teasing. I was wrong in 74 at 2.30 on a Tuesday afternoon. It sucked. Um, but <laughs> well, I mean, and I, and I'll I just wanted to tell you, David, by the way, we're talking with David Essel, and he's an author. He's a coach. He's a counselor. He, he is a is the master of positive thinking, and he's done some extraordinary things. He's met some extraordinary people like Jenny McCarthy. Who wrote that the forward to his latest book and stuff and and so it's 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 honestly great to have you here but but you are right because i built my independence report and i said i don't care what anybody thinks of it if right. they like it terrific if they don't that's fine too but i i have a point of view and my point of view is that we have to get declare our freedom from hate division and fear and so if you don't like that well you know what Go listen to something else. But that's why I bring people like you here. Uh, yes. Caleb, did you have something Caleb? to say? You raised your hand like a good girl. No, I waved goodbye to the people <laughs> that didn't want to listen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, let's let's go back to the self-love thing because it's such a huge part of what I believe we need to focus on. Um, when you have a strong identity that you are so confident, you don't have to share your identity unless someone asks you your opinion. That's self-love. You know, people that express their their opinions and, and their, their content without anyone asking them, that's not a person, to, in my opinion, that's filled with self-love. Self-love is confidence. Self-love is being able to have an opinion while other people have their different opinion and not disagreeing with them. Allowing them to talk. Just allow them to talk. You don't have to disagree. You know, self-love is staying strong to your values. You're being independent versus codependent. You're not afraid to rock the boat, but you're not looking to rock the boat. You know that there's a big difference there. You know, um, I listen from 1980 till 1996, I taught the law of attraction. And when the secret came out and talking all about the law of attraction, um, I had to, to come out and write a book that was totally in the opposite direction. And the reason I felt validated to do it was because I taught that nonsense for 17 years. And it is nonsense. You know, you whatever you put, okay, the basic concept of law of attraction is whatever you put out into the universe with your thoughts must return in kind. If that was true, Kevin, you would not have this podcast. I would not be writing best-selling books. If all people had to do was put their thoughts into something called the universe, which I'm not quite sure what it is. I guess it might be God or something. I don't know. But I used to teach it. It never worked. I had all over my house, 
I earn a million dollars a year in 1980 when I first started. I didn't earn a million dollars a freaking year. I was lying to myself. And let me tell you one of the coolest interviews that woke my butt up and told me that the law of attraction was a bunch of crap. And it came from one of the greatest teachers who's ever walked this earth that passed away three years ago. He's the founder of Transcendental Meditation, one of the most loving human beings you could ever meet in your existence, who created out of the Vedic uh, tradition in India, he went back into the volumes and came up with Transcendental Meditation, which to me is by far the most powerful form of meditation ever created. I had him on my radio show with Westwood One. During one of the breaks, he was brilliant, but you know he was so smart that I had to say to him, uh, Maharishi, that's a great point. Could you give a story? Because I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> he was talking up here. I, I'm this little minion. And here's this guy talking this global discussion way above my head. We went to a break and he goes, Dave, and, and he, he was this tiny little guy. If you guys remember the, the Adams family. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Cousin It? Oh, sure. He All just right. passed away, by the way. But that's oh, did he really? Yeah, that's a story for another time. But, uh, but okay, another time. Okay. Well, that was Maharishi, in my view. I mean, he was adorable, and he giggled constantly. But we went off air, and he said, you know, in his little Indian voice, he was so cute. Oh, David! And then he would say, <laughs> "So you really love positive thinking?" I go, "Oh, Maharishi, it's the answer. I know it's the answer to everything." And he said, "You use affirmations." I said, "Oh my God, every day." He goes, "Tell me your favorite one." Now, this is 1996, 97. And I said, oh, I'll tell you the one I've been saying for 17 years. I am David Essel, a child of God, happy, healthy, and sober every day. And he said, oh, that's beautiful. Is it all true? And I lied. I said, yes. He said, as long as your affirmation is based in reality, continue to say them. But if your affirmation is not based in a reality, which means it's a lie, you are living out of integrity. And, and Kayla May and Kevin, you know, it took a couple weeks for it to sink in. And I realized that I had been teaching a lie because my affirmations were not true. And so I was telling people, all you had to do is say, I earn a million dollars a year and it's going to happen because that's what the law of attraction says. So through my own eventual humility, I wasn't humble on the radio show. I lied. And then afterwards, I realized that I had been lying for 17 years to myself, which meant I was totally out of integrity. And see, now when we teach the law of attraction, which we don't, but when we teach affirmations, we tell people, make them exciting, make them fun, but make them realistic. So if you're earning $30,000 a year and your affirmation is, I am David Essel earning $45,000 a year this year by walking into the fire and doing action steps every day I'd rather not do. Now there you have an affirmation that's exciting and realistic. But if we continue to use affirmations like I'm a size 18, but every day I wake up and say, I am a size six. Okay, well, you're totally out of integrity. So, right. you know, we have all of this instant gratification crap going on with these teachings and what we wanted to do. And, you know, here's the funny thing, guys, the, our first book, I wrote books for 20 years before we got any traction on the 21st year, the book that put us into the spotlight was the book positive thinking will never change your life, but this book will. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, and I get on Jenny McCarthy, and Jenny McCarthy says right away, coming up next is David Essel. Now, this is going to be an interesting interview. I am a huge fan of The Secret and the Law of Attraction, and David Essel just wrote a book saying that positive thinking doesn't work. I'm going to give him some time. We're going to talk, and let's see if he can change my mind. So she welcomes me on the show, and before the show, she was awesome, gave me a big hug, was so down to earth, guys. I mean, oh my God, she's the superstar, and it's like your next door neighbor, other than the fact that she's gorgeous. <laughs> it's like your next door neighbor, yeah, right? There is that. And she's right. <laughs> and she's funny, and she's smart, and she's everything else. And so she introduces me, and she goes, David, you have three minutes. Go. And I rocked it. And at the end of three minutes, she's shaking her head and she leans towards the mic and she goes, ladies and gentlemen, David Essel is the new leader of the positive thinking movement. I have been telling you all this time about how affirmations will change your life and positive thinking will change your life. And as I listened to David, I realized that the reason I'm sitting in this chair is because I've worked my butt off. I've gone through absolute hell. I've done everything in my power to be successful and I'm successful. It didn't come from positive thinking. Although positive thinking is good, it came from walking into the uncomfortable. And, and Kevin and Kayla May, she is the one in that one show that broke open this huge new audience for us to start to think deeper than mass consciousness. Mass consciousness is all about instant gratification. Take these green pill, tea pills, do the thigh master and your, your legs will look like, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, 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 what, uh, Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. I, and listen, Suzanne Summers is great. This is not a knock against her. It's a knock against the ridiculousness of instant gratification. You know, sit, sit on your couch, put this little trapeze between your knees and go ahead and watch TV all day and you'll have legs like that. So the world is hungering for instant gratification. We want the green tea pill to burn fat. We want all of these instant things, you know, but the reality is when we look at someone like Walt Disney, you know, who was ridiculed for his ideas, who had a mental breakdown for goddamn sake, excuse my French, you know, he went through hell, but he never gave up on his dream. And look at what happened. Colonel Sanders did not make money until he was 68 years old. That's when he made his first million dollars. That guy traveled for 40 years believing in his product. You know, and, and these are the type of things that I want people to think about when you are searching for great success. These people didn't rely on affirmations. They didn't rely on vision boards. You know, I mean, I don't know a doctor that became a brain surgeon via vision boards and, and, and affirmations. And if there is one, I don't want him on my brain. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, there's work to be done. You know, there's work and, and we're so afraid of it. So many times when I'm speaking live, you know, we've been, we haven't been live for a year and a half now, but when I used to travel the country speaking live at some point, I'd always say, I know you guys were thinking I was going to be a motivational speaker <laughs> because motivational speakers say, yes, say that affirmation, attract that money. And I say, no, say the affirmation and then go work your butt off. And say it again and go work your butt off. You know, I feel like my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather that used to say, whatever you want that's huge, go work your butt off for it. And that's this truth still today in 2021. That's like I'm telling, I tell Kayla May and, and uh, that this, this podcast is going to produce $13.8 million. <clears throat> However, 
In order to get that $13.8 million, I'm going to have to work my ass off. I'm going to have to work five days a week, seven days a week. I'm going to have to do all kinds of stuff. And I'm going to have to work really hard to get people like you to come on my program because <laughs> you can change people's lives. And that's that's what this is all about. Well, you have a portal, Kevin. This is a portal, a portal of change. If people want to change, they've got to tune in, they've got to listen, and then they have to act. You know, like that's the big difference between my teaching now from 1996 until now. You know, 1996 on, after the Maharishi interview and my awakening, uh, understanding, uh, sometimes awakening scares people. They think it's some kind of, you know, woo-woo stuff. But, you know, my understanding of life became much broader when I realized I was wrong. And that's so, growth. That's important. That, that, is, that is growth because that led you to figure out what was right about what you were teaching and what you needed to change to make yeah. it better, to make it work for people. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And what we say right now is the first hour of every day should be all about this. No social media the first hour. No looking at your text. No looking at your email. I know people are cringing right now because we're all addicted to that damn iPhone or what Android or whatever they are, right? It's like I used to wake up in the morning just like everyone else. I'd immediately turn it on before I got out of bed and I'd scroll. What you know? What did I miss over then? Oh, my God, I must have missed something huge in the last eight hours, right? I mean, the world's going to end if I don't open this phone before I get out of bed. Now, the phone is not open for several hours. You know, Mia and I, when we wake up, we have coffee in bed every day. We talk for an hour and a half every day. Neither of us turn our phones on. We don't turn a TV on. We don't turn music on. There's no news. You know, it's us continuing to deepen our love. And we do this consciously. And then we move into me going to the office. But before that, I still don't even look at my phone. And then when I get to the office, I look at the phone and, you know, people may disagree with me and it's okay that they're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but people may disagree with me, but I'm going to just say, give it a chance because one of two things are going to happen. You're going to see that you're more addicted than you could ever believe is probably the first thing that's going to happen. And I work in addiction recovery and I know it very well. Social media addiction, television addiction, all they're huge. They're out of control since COVID hit. They were out of control way before COVID. COVID yeah. just encouraged us to open up the phone two hours earlier than we normally do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but but really the first hour is affirmations, inspirational readings, inspirational YouTube videos, prayer, mm -hmm. meditation, gratitude, forgiveness. That's the first 60 minutes of the day, in our opinion should all be based on the mind and getting it ready for the day because what you begin with gives you momentum. So if you begin with you know news, you begin with social media, you begin with your text messages, that's how you're starting your day. So we have a choice and I encourage people to try it because the second opportunity that'll come from you following what I'm recommending is gonna be one of the most incredible feelings of peace and joy when you're not attached to a device to awaken to get attached to your partner. And if you don't have a partner, get a freaking teddy bear. I don't care. <laughs> Hold it, bring it over, but just don't use the one on the TV commercial for Allstate where the guy sells wet teddy bears. I don't know if you've seen that commercial. <laughs> I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't go that route. Get a dry one. If you don't have a partner, hug something in the morning, start going through your mind, everything you're grateful for. 
pick up, I don't care if it's scripture from a Hindu writings, a Christian, I don't give a crap about where you pick it up. Get something to feed that brain, feed it positivity, feed it hopefulness, feed it forgiveness, feed it love, feed it potential. And I promise you, you will change as a human being. I changed dramatically and I thought I knew it all before I started doing this, right? I didn't know squat. Now I see where peace resides and it resides way, within us. Exactly. We're talking with David Eck. Talking with David Hetzel. And I promised you that we would be done at 54 and we are going to be done at 54. But I want to make sure we get the word out about your website and your latest book and how to get all of this information that you're giving us. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much. First of all, for being on the show, I'd like to offer every listener that is serious about life change a free 20-minute call with me on the phone. Oh, that's cool. Absolutely free. All you have to do is say that you're ready to change. And if you can tell yourself that, go to our website, talkdavid.com, talkdavid.com. Go to the contact us, send a contact and say, hey, I listened to David on Kevin's show. I would like to set up a free 20-minute consultation. And I'll tell you something. People go, oh, what can you do in 20 minutes? I'm going to blow your mind. In 20 minutes, we can do a lot. And I would love to give my time to you, to all of Kevin's listeners. So you see the power of giving. You see the potential of this world from different eyes. And, you know, Kevin, we try to do something different all the time whether it's giving away 20 minute sessions or online video courses that we've created, you know, we're always encouraging people give, you know, give of your time, give of your talent, give of your, 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 your content, whatever you have give. And I want to give. So please go to the website, talkdavid.com. All of our books are there. Hit the contact us button. Just say you heard me on Kevin's show. You'd like the 20 minutes and my team will set it up and we will rock and roll. That is just awesome. David Essel has been our guest. David, I know you got to go, but I I could talk to you for like hours. So, but <laughs> Thank you so much. And thank you for being a broadcaster. You give me hope that I'll be able to be mainstream one day. Oh, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, listen, what you're bringing is what we need. Now, that doesn't mean the networks understand that yet. So have patience because you're doing an awesome job. I, I love the way you interview. And here, let me, let me just say something because I've been in this industry so long. One of the greatest mistakes radio hosts, podcast hosts make is not allowing their guests to speak. And it seems like such a subtle thing, but many podcast hosts and radio hosts only because they haven't been trained will interject their own stories constantly as they have, not just me, as they have any guests. It's like, oh, that reminds me when I did this. Oh, that reminds It's not about the host. Kevin, you're a phenomenal host because you know that. You know it's about getting the message out of the guest you have on, and you're profoundly professional at doing it. Stay on your course. You're awesome. Can I, can I keep that? <laughs> I'm going to publish that. Publish it. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, when we're done... Whether it's you or someone else, slow this down, type it, put it anywhere you want, put my name underneath it. I'm saying it from my heart, Kevin. I'm on radio interviews every day of the week. And I used to host a show for 30 years. So I have a little bit of experience. <laughs> and I and I mean everything about what you're doing. You're phenomenal. Well, thank you so much. And David Exel has got to go. And we want to thank you so much for being here. Kayla, thank him. And then we're going to let him go. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you. Can't wait to see um, you again. 
<laughs> okay, LeMay, same here. You know, and, and if you and your partner need any help, please reach out and take advantage of what I just said, okay? Will do. Thank you. You know, either, either you or him or both of you guys or whatever it is, okay? I, I would love to help. Okay. David, thank you so much. You have an awesome day and enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, you guys too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Do you want to, <laughs> well, hold on, let me do this and we're going to, we're going to, you have a great day, young man. I'm going to do my ending and then I'm going to talk to Kayla okay. May. So, okay, have a, bye. Bye, have a great day. Okay. So there, Kayla. I, 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 I. Did. <laughs> a total brain bloop. <laughs> well, no, it was, I was expecting him to get, to get rid of himself. Um, and stuff, but I wanted to. I wanted to mention to you that that twenty-minute session that he just mentioned is is um, you qualify for that. So if you and and uh, your significant other would like to participate, I, I think that would be that would be just awesome. Yeah, I think that'd be something Winston should take a peek at. Yes, and <laughs> there you there you go. And I'd like to thank David Etzel for being here. Go to uh, askdavidessel.com and you can learn all about him. He said some wonderful things, and which I thought was just darn nice of him. And I thank you, I thank him. And you stay right where you are, Kayla May, but I'm going to close the program. So we'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.